This is Shifron Stop, a fun podcast about games and cultural stuff and comedy and interviews. Hello and welcome to Shifron Stop. It's Shifron Stop. We're um, back. We are. It's uh, it's one of, it's one of the episodes. It's episode number N. <laughs> um, insert, it's episode insert number here. It's an integer. Yes. And we've got some stuff for you today. We have. We've got uh, a very special guest who's um, I wouldn't say an old friend, but sort, sort of a relatively young acquaintance. Someone Layla has met. <laughs> Someone I met. We've got uh, as our guest. Also got some curious snacks. A variety of things mm. and uh, and and us talking about the world. Yeah. You know what to expect by now. Welcome. <laughs> You're here with us. You'll be fine. <laughs> it's all going to be good. Shift, run, stop. Hello, my name's Dave Gorman, and you're listening to Shift, Run, Stop. You're a storyteller. There's that weird thing of, because I write books and things as well, mm. so A.N. Wilson is an author who mm. also does stand-up, mm. but will forever be an author who does stand-up. Like, not allowed to be called a comedian. Yeah. Has to be an author. Yeah. And I have to be a comedian who also writes books. Right. I'm not allowed to be an author. You know, there's that weird yes. sort of thing, and you're not allowed in whatever people yeah. f- found you doing first yeah. is the only thing you're allowed to be. Whereas I sort of think, I write and I perform and I present, oh, yeah. and I, you know, I, just, I, don't, I don't worry about labels at all. I just think it's that weird thing where other people will always decide, and you just have to let them. I did a gig once in Manchester. I was signing books at the end, and this father and daughter came up, and he wanted me to sign one for her for her birthday. And I said, oh, what a lovely thing, you know, father and daughter coming out together with this. So that's a brilliant thing. And he went, oh, no, we didn't come out together. We didn't know we were both coming. We, we bumped into <laughs> each other when we got here. Wow. Really? Uh, yeah, yeah, when your first TV show was on, I used to watch it in the living room thinking, oh, my daughter would never understand this intelligent young man. And my daughter was in her bedroom watching it, thinking, oh, Dad would never get this weird sort of yes. out there stuff. And to them, they both defined it, and they both defined it as something that the other couldn't get. And actually, I get excited about those moments. Like, when I was a kid, and I'm talking about when I was, like, eight or nine, I used to play uh, with my next-door neighbour, and we were in his garden, we were playing around, uh, and he said, we're going to London on the weekend. Mm. Um, We used to live in Stafford. And I said, oh, we're going to London on the weekend. That's amazing, yeah, yeah. And at some point, I cut my knee, and I ended up at home on the kitchen top with my mum, but in debt of on my knee and a plaster and whatever. And I said, oh, we, we might meet Sean in London on, on Saturday. And my mum said, don't be silly. <laughs> London's a very big place. Cut to Saturday. My family are on the tube. Uh, the train pulls in. We're getting off. We go to the doors. The doors open, and we're standing facing our next-door neighbours. That's brilliant. No, no matter what else happens to you, that's the story you'll tell from that weekend in London. Because yeah. coincidences are kind of like, they're magnetic. We, mm. Everyone gets sort of, they're a little hint into the idea that the world is more complicated or magical mm. than it appears to be. And we know they're not, and we know it's all random, and we know, all, you know but it's still, they're the things that excite us. Yeah. yeah. About, so, oh, this is such a terrible name-droppy thing to say, but... Richard Maidley once told me. <laughs> he got really angry with it, so I was really enjoying how frustrated he was by this, because he's this kind of rational being, Richard. Yeah. And he'd been on a holiday with Judy, and they'd gone to the Grand Canyon. And you can't go to the Grand Canyon in the holiday season and not have a coachload of Brits turn up. Mm. And a coachload of Brits can't turn up anywhere and not recognise Richard and Judy, mm. because they're icons. Yeah. 
And so Richard and Judy are there being tourists, and suddenly this Coco turn up, and they'll go, oh, Richard and Judy. And he's thinking, it's the Grand Canyon. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's one of the world's amazing things. And you all want your photo taken with me. And they're all going over having a photo taken with Richard and Judy, instead of looking at the Grand Canyon and being more excited about them, which he's finding frustrating. Not because he's trying to be rude to them. He's just thinking, this is one of the world's yeah. great wonders, and I'm not. But they all, they're all saying to him, isn't this a coincidence? Isn't it amazing? You were here on the same day as us. And he's trying to explain to them that it's not a coincidence, because whatever day he went, there would be their equivalent. Because yeah. to him, they're just a British tourist. It's not Steve from Hull. Mm. It would be somebody else. It would be Terry from Doncaster. It doesn't mm. matter what day he goes, he'll be mobbed by British tourists. Yes. There's nothing he can do to avoid that. There's no coincidence whatsoever. <laughs> it's the Grand Canyon. There's going to be some tourists there. Some of them will be British. But for them, it's amazing. Mm. <laughs> oh, Richard Madeley. Have you read his book? He's really good. I he's was really surprised. He's a genuinely Great interesting, funny man. He's really mm. good company. Mm. Um, I've just met him when I've done the, like, their old TV show a few times. Mm. Um, and he's, he's slightly um, trapped in being Richard Madeley while wanting to be Chris Evans. Yeah. Like he sort of landed in his time and place doing cosy daytime. Mm. And what he wanted to be was more out there, more, yeah. you know. The, the, the thing that defined him on this morning for me was they'd have someone on the phone talking about some medical issue and she'd you know, drop in, oh yeah, no, I, I sometimes sing in the clubs. Do you? Do you? Hey, go, hey sorry, finger in here. Uh, <laughs> can, can, can we get her on? Can we get her on one day? And you know the production would go, no, Richard, don't. Stop trying to improvise. Just talk to her about a medical problem forever. And he always wanted to create those moments and he wasn't allowed to. And people like Chris Evans are allowed to, and yeah. you always feel slightly yeah. like reined in. And I, I find the frustration in Richard <laughs> one of the, the funniest thing about it. The gain. I've changed the gain. The gain. The gain. Be careful with the gain. <laughs> if you can hear insects in the background, or squeaking chairs, or civil servants, then that's because the gain's too high. Right. <laughs> when I'm insects. saying if you, I mean if they. Yeah, oh right, you're talking people. to the listeners, yes. but you don't get me, but talking to the listeners. I always talk to the listener, Leila. <laughs> but that's, like, that's weird, though, because when you talk to me, you look away, and when you talk to the listener, you look me straight in the eye. <laughs> that's <laughs> because, <laughs> because I have problems with maintaining eye contact. Oh, bless you. Such a geek. But, um, I, yeah, the, uh, the insect thing's bothering me a bit. Couldn't there be insects in this office? There's a lot of plants. I saw uh, a little fly. Oh, God. Smaller than a house fly, like one of those tiny flies. Oh, that's no good. <laughs> Might have been a tetsy fly. Could have been. Maybe you've uh, you've brought it with you from your travels. Oh yeah, it's probably me. <laughs> it's probably, I'm probably infested with insects after com- coming back from Sheffield. Speaking of which, there. yes, the interview that you will hear woven seamlessly into this episode was uh, conducted on the way to Sheffield, literally near the station. I uh, I commandeered the our celebrity guest and uh, interviewed him with Lee, and it was great fun. And then. Went to catch my train immediately after, moved to Sheffield. Wow, that's amazing. So, so it was it marked the beginning of your trip to mm. Sheffield, and now your trip to Sheffield is nearing its end. Well, yes, my project in Sheffield is nearing oh, its end, yeah. but I, I would say that I'm still very much in Sheffield. You're enjoying it then? Yeah, I love it, yeah. It's, well, as listeners probably don't know, I've been involved in a project called Happenstance, which is a technology and art 
sort of a interdisciplinary study um, where they've, and it is kind of a study, we've had academic researchers following us around and stuff, but they've put people who know a bit about technology into arts organisations and watched us for 10 weeks. I've seen you've been soldering things. Yeah, I've been making lots of stuff. We've uh, been using prototypes of go free range printers, which nice. can print things off the internet, a bit like a fax machine. And, um, <laughs> and we've been using uh, drawing robots and all kinds of Arduinos and Ethernet boards and all sorts to try and make mad little experiments. But we've also been just generally trying to help them with their digital presence in the world <laughs> and coach them a bit on things. And uh, yeah, and, and we ended up doing loads of events and all the events but we ended up getting involved with like we did a TEDx talk and we did a Future Everything talk and cool. so we, we had like yeah we, we were kind of spreading the word about the gallery and stuff like mm. that which I think is So were you paired up with a particular arts organisation then? I was I was put in the site gallery uh, which is a small international art gallery so mm. they do have some good people um, I got to meet uh, Bill Drummond off the KLF. Nice. Who, well, Did he burn he, any money? He didn't. We were really worried that he was going to burn anything <laughs> <laughs> near him. That's a nice Audrey, um, you know, let's set fire to it. <laughs> we were a bit worried. Um, but we managed to use some of our work in conjunction with his exhibition, which was cool. good. Yeah, loads of really interesting stuff going on there. Um, they kind of, they're, they're quite small, but they do punch above their weight quite well. And uh, it's been great. It's a lovely art gallery. Everyone's really friendly and Sheffield's amazing. So I've had a great time. That's um, really exciting. Yeah, yeah. So what have you been doing in the last 10 weeks? Well, I, I've had some holiday. Have you? Oh, I, yeah, you yeah. went camping or something, didn't I you? I did. It was really good. We went down to Cornwall and the day before we left, they'd been airlifting people out of campsites in Wales because they were flooded and oh it was God. just a nightmare. And we, uh, we went down to Cornwall and it was very sunny and very nice. It was Lovely. great. We did a lot of walking along the coast and camped in a beautiful campsite and saw St Ives, which is all right. I suppose probably the worst bit of that bit of Cornwall is St Ives. I like St Ives. What didn't you like about St Ives? The people, mainly. Um, no, the locals are lovely, but it's right. just full of tourists. Yes. He said, as a tourist walking around St Ives. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> kind of adding to the problem. Not local like you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there's some good things in St Ives. Mm. There, there's the, uh, the Tate St Ives, which is okay, depending on what's showing. Yeah. But if you ever get a chance, the Barbara Hepworth Museum, really good. Oh, yeah. Really good. I she was sculpty, sculptor. Yes. Sculptress? Yes. Do you, yeah. you feminise sculptor? I, no, sculptor. Sculptress, sculptor. I think it's probably going a bit far. Um, yeah, she's a sculptor, isn't she? She's very good. Yeah, she was, and then she yeah. died, but she was. Um, she had a, a museum. Her stuff is still good. <laughs> it still is good. She, she no longer is good. She's not good at staying alive. <laughs> she's terrible at sculpting now. Um, she's brilliant. And mm. the museum opened within, I think it was within two years of her death. Wow. Um, and by then she was already... You know, big famous um, name in the art world, mm. contemporary of um, Moore. Mm. Henry Moore. Henry Moore. Yeah. I was going to say Alan Moore. I don't know who Alan Moore is. <laughs> Isn't Alan Moore like a comics guy? Yeah. <laughs> contemporary <laughs> of him. Yeah, they, um, might, they might be contemporaries. You might still be right. I don't know. <laughs> they probably were. But she was brilliant, and yeah. um, her house and her garden and everything has been uh, kept as as near as possible to how she left it. It's brilliant. Oh wow! It's in her house. Yeah. This exhibition. Wow. Okay. Yeah, it's kind of tucked away in the streets. It's nice. Very hard to find. It's great. Brilliant. Yeah, go there. Okay. Did you go to Goon Hilly? We didn't go to Goon Hilly, but we did look at a leaflet that said, come to Goon Hilly and go on the segways. Go on the segways, yes, I was so right. We were very tempted, but we decided not to do that. Oh. I think your description of it was, was good enough that we could picture it. We didn't mean to visit and spend however many pounds it would listeners have cost us. May, I mean, listeners, you may have missed recent episodes. <laughs> I say recent, the, the so last 
episode that we did, possibly a recent sporadic episode. Uh, we talked about Goon Hilly, and and Rue was astonished at my new information that uh, you can no longer go around the satellite dishes, but you can go on a Segway in the car park. That's <laughs> left of it. Nearly as good. So sad. Oh. Hello, this is Simon out of Trevor Simon. This is Shift Run Stop. The thing I love about radio, and we've been doing things recently where we've had like guest presenters coming in and co-hosting with me. Mm. Um, uh, and so we've had like Pete Furman the last couple of weeks as a magician, and so just we've been talking about what goes on and, and stuff in a way that I wouldn't normally, just because you're trying to explain it to someone and having a sort of friendly chat before and after the show. Um, and the thing I love about radio is how relaxed it is. I've never once felt nervous sitting in the radio studio. I've never once cared if we make a mistake, and I don't think listeners care if you make a mistake. You just go, oh, we've made a mistake, I press the wrong button, and carry on talking, and it all works out, and it's absolutely fine. Um, You mentioned Pete Furman. Um, We interviewed Ali Cook on this show. I know Ali well. Yeah, well, I know Ali a bit, and I met up with him recently, and he said, I was doing something with Dave Gorman sometime, and I said, oh, yeah, I slightly know Dave Gorman as well. And uh, yeah, we bonded over our mutual knowledge of you that's very nice (laughs) that's a beautiful moment we were introduced to each other by uh, the proprietor of an East End cafe oh right Um, at the time Ali and Pete used to live together in Mm. Bethnal Green not far from me and the proprietor of our local cafe which is Paliches on Bethnal Green Road which is now I think the oldest working cafe in London it's been there since 1901 and it's still in the family Mm -hmm. Um, Nev uh, who's not Neville he is Nevio because they are Paliches it's a kind of little tiny cafe. It's now got its listed building because it's been the same since 1930 something or whatever. Mm. So they're not allowed to change it. And you, the thing I love about it is that you have to share tables. That it's like a little, it's like a little community centre mm. for Bethnal Green. Everyone knows everyone. Everyone knows what team everyone supports. Everyone like they know when you walk through the door whether you have sugar or not in your tea. You know, it's yeah. one of those really. They must know 400 people's tea order really well. <laughs> Amazing little place, and you see, because Bethnal Green's a weird place. It's got like Shoreditch just up the road, mm. but it's not there. So you've got this real weird mix of hardcore cockneys and incomers and trendies and whatever. Mm. And you all have to share tables, and everyone gets on, and you're not allowed not to get on. Mm. And Nev knows everyone, so he said, "Oh, Ali, you're a magician. Dave, you, you're a comic. You're a geek comic. You're all there. <laughs> you're all there. You two should know each other. We we're sharing a table." So we started chatting. And I have a slightly, I guess, a, like, this is where geeky is everything. Uh, I have a slightly geeky interest in magic. Mm. I was that kid who had the Paul Daniels magic set when he was young and was really interested in all of that. And I've always had a thing of, I've, I've never got the skills. I wouldn't want, you know, I, I know I can't do that. But I normally, I'm pretty good at watching magic and working out not what, not what happened in a way that means, oh, yeah, I could recreate that, but I know when it happened. I know the one that, when the magician's saying, okay, so the card's in my pocket and I'm going to now do a yeah. thing, but it's already moved wherever he wants to say, you know, like, I'm, yeah. I analyse it like that, but it doesn't stop me enjoying it. Yeah. I get really weirdly in, in, engaged in magic. I find it really interesting. Yeah. And there's all sorts of things I don't like. You can do too much. And this is where, like, it's kind of... Like comics analysing jokes is the most boring thing in the world for anyone but comics and I'm sure this is the most boring thing in the world for anyone other than magicians and comics mm. but there's when David Copperfield makes the Statue of Liberty disappear mm. I couldn't give a fuck yeah. because I know you haven't made the Statue of Liberty disappear yeah. that 
does absolutely nothing for me. I know how he did it, yeah. and it doesn't entertain me because we all know that the Statue of Liberty yeah. is still there. If you make an elephant disappear, I'm entertained. Mm. But I, it has to be something I can see. And when you make magic sands appear out of water, is that where you bought some stuff? Yeah. Right? If you open a packet of custard powder and a packet of chilli powder and put that into water and then take it out, now I'm impressed. I had this exact conversation with Ali, actually, because he had seen a talk that I did about hacking and magic, in fact, yeah. um, where I was sort of saying, well, the thing that's interesting about both magic and hacking is that it's kind of about how much you know. Like, if you know, yeah, yeah. you need to know so much and then you need to have to work out the rest or have that sort of gap, yeah, yeah. there needs yeah, to be yeah. a bit of room. And uh, he said, oh, there's a brilliant book. It was something like Plausible Doubtability or something. There's some right, sort right, of right. thing. But if you do too much, you've broken the spell. Because I don't believe yeah. that you're actually a wizard. Yeah. I believe that you're fooling me. Yeah. But I want the fooling to be honest. Yeah. Like, you know, like, I, yeah. I want to, I know that you haven't made a car disappear and then reappear, and I, but I know you've made it look like that, and I'm really impressed by your ability to make it look like that. But I'm not impressed if I think you've bought a £20,000 prop that is self working or something. I, that, that I'm, I suddenly, I want your skill to be what I'm enjoying. It's mini snack time. Why is it a mini snack time? Well, normally we'd, we'd have an additional person to guide us through the world of snacks. Right, yeah. But it's just me and you today. On our own. So apologies if we get something wrong. Um, we don't have an expert with <laughs> us today. We're just winging it. We just went down the shop to find some weird things. What did we get? We got a uh, slightly dented, I just noticed, sports bottle of Milky Way juice. Now that's an odd <laughs> image, isn't it? Having maybe going to the gym. <laughs> And then you get a bit, you get a bit tired halfway through your your workout, and you think, I know, I'm just going to pop open my Milky Way. No, no um, drink says Rue Reynolds to me more more <laughs> than somehow than this sports drink of Milky Way. Did, did you shake well before use? I didn't shake. <laughs> Damn I'm you! To shake oh, shake God. well before okay. use. Does it say that somewhere? Almost certainly. So, because you're an aficionado, aficionado of these sort of. Um, confectionery based <laughs> chocolate bar in a blender drink <laughs> I'm sure I've seen you I, I do like a I do like a milkshake looks like a nice chocolate milkshake yeah I'll have a bit please you can as an expert you can um, let us know how this compares to a Mars or whatever yeah so I'm familiar with the Mars milkshake and I'm familiar mm. with the I think Galaxy have had one for a while mm. we saw in the shop today and we didn't buy one because we're cheapskates and um, mm. we saw there's also Maltesers uh, milkshakes mm. now as well which claim to be extra foamy or extra Oh, bubbly. yeah, extra something. Well, the Milky Way milkshake, I would say, is a fairly sweet, fairly sugary, as you'd expect. Not actually all that chocolatey. No. Almost generic chocolate milkshake flavour. Yeah, it's got a slightly um, sour edge to it somehow. Yeah. <clears throat> I wonder if that's the the kind of Milky Powdery. Way Nougari middle. Yeah. Whether I'm getting a sort of... How literally do you think they've taken the whole, like, we, I, need, to, we need to perfectly replicate the taste of sort of Willy Wonka style. <laughs> now you're in the nutty bit. Now you're at the chewing Well, I bit. hope that what they did was literally take a million Milky Ways and then blend them. It's quite nice, though. It's quite drinkable. It does have a powdery texture for it, which is unusual in a liquid. I quite like it. I could drink a I lot of like that. I quite like it. I think I could as Yeah. Well. I think that because it's not overwhelmingly chocolatey. Yeah. Yeah, it's not too bad, actually. I, I, could, I could get through some of that. Uh, 388 mils, £1.59. I probably wouldn't drink it just before uh, going to the gym, though. Mm. So the whole sports drink thing with the, the sports cap. 
Do you think not sure what that's doing the, for me. I mean, what, what market are they going for here? It is a sports bottle, but it's <laughs> dressed up like a children's suite. Anyway. <laughs> so I think next we should go for this. The, uh, the Super Malt Original. It claims to be a non-alcoholic quality malt drink with B vitamins. It looks like, a, I don't know, a Tesco's own Weetabix or something. It does, doesn't it? It's got pictures of uh, very... It's quite a nice design, actually, in that kind of um, communist way. Yeah. yeah, it looks like something that the... Um, Communist Russia might have uh, might have thrown out in 1958. It's got some very abstract two-dimensional drawings of wheat um, on it, and it just says "super malt" <laughs> in giant sans serif capitals. Have you ever had this before? No, I haven't. It claims on the back. No, nor have I. It claims on the back to be a tasty and highly digestible health drink. It's good that it's digestible. I'm glad it's digestible. (laughs) Uh, And it it says that it helps restore lost energy. Uh, The ingredients are water, barley malt, sugar, and then some flavourings and colourings. I I actually don't know what to expect from this. I think it might taste a bit like Horlicks. Maybe. What is malt, anyway? Is it like mould? Grains might be involved. Yeah. Do you want to give it a sniff? Oh my goodness! It's got a kind of brown froth on top. It smells worryingly like marmite from, and it's quite oh thick. Oh my god! I don't think we need too much of this. It's thick and black. It and looks it, like it's Guinness. Going all over this lovely desk in this office where we're secretly hiding in. I was expecting something much paler. I wasn't expecting a thick black confection. It's got a massive head on it. Ah, uh, it is Guinness. It's Surely they've sticky. put Guinness in the wrong can. It's so sticky and thick. Okay. And it's Oh, my God. It tastes like beer, actually. It does, doesn't it? Mm. I wasn't ready for that. If I was... I um, it's alcoholic. It, it, no, it says it's not. It says it's non-alcoholic. Oh, but if I was out with friends mm. and they were all drinking Guinness and I was feeling a bit like a girl because I didn't like Guinness, mm. I might ask for a half of super malt. Do you think they would um, serve it in a regular pub? <laughs> Maybe <laughs> in Sheffield. I think you should start Sheffield. asking around Sheffield for unusual things. Maybe in Sheffield. This, this was from the local corner shop in uh, Kingsway, mm. not far from Holborn, in central London. I've never seen this anywhere else, but I don't suppose that means that this is the only place in the world you can get it. No, I think I have seen it around before, but I've certainly never been interested enough to buy it and try and drink it. It's black. It's very thick. And it, what, do you, what would you describe the smell as, Rue? It actually smells a bit like a beehive. It's got that sort of natural... Yeah, there's a bit of sort of sugary stuff, but also the the kind of waxy smell of something that's organic but not really edible. Yeah, organic but not edible is a very good description. It tastes like somebody's um, liquidised an entire car. All of the oil, all of the seats, <laughs> all of the tyres. <laughs> liquid car. Yeah, it's a liquid car taste. It is. Um, I still think it's a bit apple I don't think I can finish it. I d- the more I inhale, the more I feel like I'm getting high off the fumes. Okay, so let's uh, let's move on to drink number three. Drink number three is Foco's coconut juice. <laughs> um, again, they've gone for quite a simple abstract style uh, design on the front there. And this is uh, slightly larger than your average can. This is a 350 mil can of what is actually coconut liquid. You think that coconut oil is it's a drink? It's not, not coconut. <laughs> it's not coconut oil. It's, it's coconut water with coconut pulp in it. Have you had this before? Rick? Yes, I had some last night. Uh, I was on the train and oh I was very God. thirsty. It does have bits of coconut. It does. In. There's little floaty bits of coconut pulp. That's I'm going right. to I'm going to pour you a glass. You don't usually see things floating around in a can <laughs> when you're drinking. You don't normally want to. You don't normally. No, it's not normally a good thing, is Look it? Look at that. It Quite looks, a lot of coconut pulp. 
It looks like, you know when, when the toilet overflows a bit? <laughs> all the toilet paper's all like sort of shredding and yeah. floating around in the top of the toilet. That's <laughs> a very appetising image you're conjuring there. That's exactly Now, it, it reminds me a little bit, do you remember back when we were little, mm-hmm. of um, the drinks that, I can't remember what they were called, Lee would know, drinks that had the little floating spheres, little globules of... That we did on Chiffon Stop, you mean? We did some time ago. When Chiffon Stop yeah. was little. Yeah, when we were young. Um, it's... Um, I do remember that, and I've seen those in Tesco's recently as well. Yeah. They still sell them. And it reminds me of that. Obviously, yeah. instead of weird, spherized globules of matter, this is actual bits of coconut. So, hurrah for that. But what are you thinking about the taste? Well, it's not disgusting. No. It's, it's not bad, actually. It does taste of genuine coconut. I don't know whether you need bits of coconut floating in it, but then, you know, if you have orange juice, it's got bits of orange floating in it. It's true. Coconut with bits. Yeah. It's just a bit um, different. I'm not, I'm not used to drinking a still juice out of a can. Right, and that was the problem I had with it. I opened yeah. it up and I was expecting something fizzy mm. and sweet. Yeah. And instead I had something that was flat yeah. and still sweet. Yeah. Actually, I think it's got too much sugar in it. It's, I think it's um, syrupy. It's a suspension. I mean, <laughs> these bits of coconut aren't floating to the top or the bottom. They're just staying, <laughs> staying in, where they're in put. the gel. <laughs> yeah. They must have the same density as the liquid around them. It's quite interesting, isn't it? It's very, um, it's like a lava lamp. The most interesting thing about this drink is the can it comes in, I think. Now, Layla, take the Supermalt can and squeeze it between two fingers. <laughs> it's uh, denting slightly there. And, and we can hear the, do that again. We can hear the denting sounds. Yes. Now, do the same thing with the coconut can. Ooh! <laughs> oh my God! How thick Jesus. is the steel on that coconut drink can? It's extraordinary. Now, Layla is, is not a, um, you're not the strongest person in the world, but you would imagine that you'd be can, able to squeeze a can. I can squeeze a can. <laughs> <laughs> I can squeeze the other can. I'm glad we got another one from Camarison. Exactly, so I don't yeah. feel incredibly weedy. Layla literally can't move the size of the can between her fingers oh, and God. thumb. It's been designed to withstand um, a nuclear apocalypse. Well, it has to come all the way from Thailand, so I assume <laughs> they, they designed the cans quite sturdily. So it's come from Thailand, hasn't yeah. it? Yeah. And how did you manage to get one on the train? Did they sell them in the train shop? I, I bought it in uh, the same shop as we just bought this from. Okay. I then carried it onto the train. What, what, what made you buy this? I'm interested. <laughs> that shop that we were just in does yeah. have a range of regular drinks. It does, but I was, I was thirsty. Normal, normal fitness can. It stood out to me. And okay. you know me, if I see something new <laughs> and novel, yeah. I'm always going to try it. There's an article by Teller recently, actually, and I think he's done a few things like this, where one of the points he said about magic is just like sort of top ten things you didn't know about magic or something. And one of them was, um, you make this assumption about how simple it is, and actually they have just bought like 500 like crates of eggs and then, yeah, yeah. you know hired someone to drive a lorry and just all this elaborate stuff. They've spent ten thousand pounds doing this tiny trick, that, yeah, yeah. just to make it possible. There's, there's a, a lot of it is we don't believe you would make that much yes, effort, yeah, so it's exactly. now easier to believe that you're magic. Yes, yeah, <laughs> because yeah. who yeah. would make that much effort yeah. to do this? Like, there's a story, and I've no idea if it's true or not, about Jerry Sadovitz. Uh, who, as well as being this kind of pioneering comet, is one of the best card magicians in the world. Right. And it might be an apocryphal story, I don't know, but the story is that he's at Glasgow train station seeing a friend off or being seen off on the train, whatever. And it's an early morning train, and while they're waiting for it, he turns to his friend and says, oh, by the way, I've been working on a new card trick. Do you mind if I just show you this and just see if, it, if it's working? And he runs through a big card, you know, whatever. Mm. Uh, and it gets to one of those, is this your card? And the guy gets... It's not Jerry. That's, that's not. That's not my card. He goes, "All right, what was your card?" He goes, "The Jack of Hearts." At which point, 
the 705 to London pulls into the station and on the front of it is the Seven of Hearts. Oh. Or Jack of Hearts, whatever I just said. I yeah. forgot yeah. the card, even yeah. <laughs> Whatever it is. It would have been good if it had been the wrong card. The reason I said Seven, <laughs> yeah. of, I said yeah. seven of Hearts is because Pete Furman did a trick on the radio show yesterday and it involved uh-huh. Seven of Hearts. That's genuinely threw me back to that. Yeah. But whatever, that card is on the front of the train. Yeah. Go, oh my God, that's amazing. But all it means is you went to the station the day before and paid yeah. someone 50 quid to put the card on the front of the train. It's all the effort in the reveals makes it's like that thing it was coincidence isn't it that sort of comes up quite a lot in your work i think that's it's sort of to do with chance and chance encounters coincidences and things but i was wondering what it is that interests you about games because your latest book i think is um is about you having kind of chance related game experiences with people how did that all start how did you get into that um it started um it didn't start with me thinking i will write a book about this it started with me having a bit of time off being slightly at a loose end while uh, the woman who is now my wife was uh, working really, really hard and being really busy. So I was sort of twiddling my thumbs at home a lot. And I like games. And I've always liked games. And I I kind of just like my head to be active. You know, Mm. if I'm by myself, I'll do a crossword. And if I'm with someone, I want to, you know, I don't, I'm I'm not very good at being idle. Um, And I think there's a weird thing where especially as you get older like it's really silly now I'm 41 to go to a friend's house and say do you want to play yeah. but it's fine when you're 9 yeah. it's encouraged when you're 9 um, and now it's sort of not and there are friends I have who I would I realise I've got friends in little compartments there are people I go drinking with there are people I go to the theatre with there are people I would go to a gig with mm. And there are people I'd meet for coffee, you know, and they're mm. not all the same people. They don't all cross over mm. in that weird, like, we become a bit set and fixed in our ways. And the two or three people who I might have occasionally met to play Scrabble with or whatever have left London mm. and were no longer around. So I just put something on Twitter, only thinking about, like, that day or the day after. I wasn't thinking this will occupy me for a few months and I will write a book about it I would just put a tweet out saying does anyone like playing games would you like to play one mm. and weirdly this is, the conversation comes full circle again because the first people who replied saying yes we're around tomorrow would you like to play this were a pair of magicians yeah. and uh, who I've got to know since um, and I didn't know they were magicians when they sent that tweet but I was like yeah okay and they lived in Didcot uh, which is like an hour away. So the next day I went out to Didcot and played this game called Ket. The lasers and the yeah, those pyramids. Yeah, Egyptian laser chess, yeah. um, <laughs> which oversells it. <laughs> it doesn't involve Just horse tranquilizers. No, 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 it's not. No, it's uh, a game played by the, kind of Ket. the ancient uh, Egyptians and their lasers. Yeah, it was, um, yeah, it, it was, it's a Ket undersells it and Egyptian laser chess oversells it. <laughs> Somewhere between those two lies the truth. But it was a really nice day out. It was a really lovely thing to sort of force myself out of the house and go and do a thing mm. and go somewhere new and meet two new people. And again takes the pressure out of meeting new people. Yeah. Like yeah. I would never put someone to going, would anyone like to meet me? Just <laughs> <laughs> to meet me. I'll come to yours and let you meet me. That's awful. You know, the, the ego of like, you can't. But 
playing game is what you're there for, and the meeting is incidental. Yeah. And you're allowed to be silent when you're playing game, and you're allowed to talk. Conversation happens at its own pace. There's no kind yeah. of. In fact, on, on the first date with the woman who's now my wife, we played card games and things. It was like some uh, Saturday afternoon stroll around a market, and we went for coffee, and we got a deck of cards. And it's a really good thing for a first date, mm. or a first meeting of any kind. You know, they they, they all have the same slight awkward pressure of. So you've been on holiday this year. That's an awful conversation to have. Yeah. And no one wants to have that conversation about whether you went on holiday this year. No one's interested. Everyone's just filling time. Games are a really good way of filling that time and meaning you don't have to have those conversations. Mm. So something else happens. It's really relaxed and a nice way to be. So it, it kind of, I did the first one and thought, oh, that was fun. Mm. So then I went home and I had like loads of other replies and started going through them and going, all right, I'm going to go to there and there. So I was getting mainly, initially, it was all in and around London because that's where I live mm. and that was easy it's only later on when one man turned out to be a bit strange oh. uh, and I dripped clues through the book so it, really I was missing signals that were there so when I wrote the book I, I put those signals in so you can see that it's, it's partly my own stupidity that led me there uh, but one man hit me um, and oh my God. it was a bit weird and it took some thinking about to get my head round. And as I was doing that, I realised there was a story in it. Yeah. That was in, you know, like, I think it would have been a, a fey and gentle book if I'd just said, yeah. I played games with 35 strangers. Then I went back to my life. I, I, yeah. I, I, that wouldn't engage me as much. And I think it sort of starts off feeling like it's going to be that book and then it goes somewhere a bit weirder and darker. Mm. That's the reason it became a book. Because right. it was somewhere darker and... Sweet. So you've got that man to thank. That. In a weird way, so, yes. <laughs> did you did or you give him a credit man. in the, uh, well, no, the acknowledgements? Had to change his Dedicated name to in him. the book um, uh-huh. for all sorts of. Oh, is he famous? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it's no, not no. Richard Maiden. Great. No. Tell me about Sheffield, Layla. What's Sheffield like? <laughs> um, I could write a book. Sheffield um, is much more suited to me than London as a person. And maybe, maybe you, you say that having lived in London for quite a while. Uh, now. No, I've no, I haven't lived in London for years. Uh, okay, I so I think year. it's ten minutes from St Albans. So, as somebody who doesn't live in London but lives yes. near enough London that you can get in quite easily. Yeah, <laughs> yeah let's cut this whole bit. Um, so, uh, yeah. Lola, Lola, tell me about Sheffield. But I have worked in London for the last year, and um, and living in Sheffield is, by comparison, um, amazingly relaxing and friendly and nice. It's got a very low population for the size and scope of city that it is, I suppose. So um, everyone there is quite interesting. And there's loads of... There's a kind of massive maker culture as opposed to consumer culture. So there's not that many brilliant shops. Mm -hmm. There's some quite good shops. But it's more about um, meeting up and trying to put things on and do things. There's loads of festivals. There's loads... Every night there's interesting panel discussions on. My commute now is like a ten-minute walk. Quite jealous. Which is like... But, you know, you could... Anyone could live this life. It's not... There's no secret to it. And you were telling me earlier that the train journey from Sheffield to London... I was thinking that's going to take six hours. No, two hours. That and it costs less than Direct. twenty quid. It's uh, eighteen quid. Yeah. That's ridiculous. Yeah. yeah. So I'm. I've been trying to 
Well, I've sort of accidentally been promoting Sheffield so so fully in the last few weeks that loads of people have wanted to come visit me, and so I've been turning, I've been literally turning people away. I was like, I want to come. So well, yeah, I, I want to add myself to your queue. Well, you must come, and uh, we. But well, I keep thinking we should do a shift on stop north. We should. My mentor on the on the project that I've just done is a shift on stop fan already. Every, he already knew who I was. <laughs> Everyone's a shift on stop listener, surely. There, I mean, you think it was quite a small kind of Londony community, but actually, people who yeah, listen to this are. think that they're in some small niche club that this yeah. is a cult following that only 20 people listen to Sheffield they Stop know. they're wrong we've got 6 million listeners they don't <laughs> more know. more even. obviously being in Sheffield and not having a telly or the internet when I'm not sitting up all night soldering things I have been going to see films and stuff so I did see Prometheus what do you think marks out of 5 marks out of 5 I, I would say a healthy 2 2 <laughs> I know oh it's a solid film mm. entertaining I, I watched it in 3D and didn't hate the fact it was in 3D for the first time, I think, ever. In what way is it a solid film? It's solid. What's, what's solid about it, would you say? Because I would use it the, probably the opposite. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, OK, it's a bit silly. Yeah. And you have to bear with the slightly um, odd story. Yeah. <laughs> but visually, very arresting. Visually. You're a visual person, aren't you? Really? Love That's the visuals. The yeah. The, the uh, big waterfall at the beginning... Was in Iceland. What was by that all about? It's an Icelandic waterfall. They stand <laughs> why, in. Why? Why the water? What was it? Why? What was going on? What was that? Well, he's explain the story. Prometheus I, I don't think I can explain the story of Prometheus, mm. and I've not done enough background reading to be at all confident with my interpretation of it. Right. But when I see that, I see the, what is presumably an engineer, one of these yeah. alien chaps, mm. standing on the waterfall, and it looks to me like he's kind of sacrificing himself. That he's he's giving his cells of his body, mm. in order to propagate some DNA into the world. Okay. Now, I think, might be wrong, I think he's doing that on Earth in the past. Yeah. And I think he's got something in his hand, which he then, I don't know, whether he, was he drink it or hold it? I don't know what, how he, he did it. Dr- I think he drinks it. So he drinks some stuff. It's a petri dish of black goo. Yeah, he has yeah. the black goo and he, he drinks that. And then I think his cells are now smeared around the world. Right. They turn into fish, and then they turn, and then they evolve, and then they become us. The, the circle of life begins. Okay, okay. I think I think that is showing, sort of, uh, casting way back in time, how the engineers went about putting their DNA into into Earth. Okay. So I think that happened a long time ago. Yeah. yeah. I might be completely wrong. No. I might have misunderstood that altogether. Why did they cast Guy Pearce to play an old man? That doesn't make any sense. Mm. No, that, there's a lot of stuff in the film that doesn't make any sense. Yeah. But to be honest, I forgave it its foibles. Okay. I just felt like it was asking a bit too much of me to, right. to invest in all those loose ends and <laughs> mysteries. <laughs> it's like, like watching Lost or something. The writing, as in the words, the yeah. dialogue, the bit that you know Aaron Sorkin does really, really well in his films, yeah. that wasn't great. Yeah. Visually, really good. Yeah. Bit, bit flabby in the yeah, old scripts. Good, um, there were some good visuals. I'll, I'll give you that. Yeah. It was rather beautiful. Yeah. And David, David the David robot. David the robot was fun, wasn't he? Spoilers. But David the robot. No, everyone knows David's yes. robot, right? I well. I hope so. What was the game that ended in violence? Uh, well, this will give you a clue as to where it came from. <laughs> it was. Was it karate? No. <laughs> hungry, hungry hippos. No, no, it was called, in his emails, he called it IDVE. Oh, God. And when I read that IDVE... That sounds like something he made up. What? It's a game he's invented. It's, it's, it's not. It's, uh, and it's oh. a commercially available game, although relatively difficult to find. I saw IDVE, and he wrote it all in capitals, but I, th- I thought it was like a, I thought a typo, and he'd written dive, because that made more sense as a name of a game. Mm. 
and I replied to him saying, oh, OK, I'll play dive. And then he wrote back saying, it's not dive, it's I D V E. Which is one of the clues that I feel maybe not. Uh, no, that's fair enough, you got it wrong. Going, yeah, yeah. Um, and I tried to Google it in advance, but it's really hard to Google I D V E because it looks like Google assumes you mean I'd have. Oh, uh, yes, yeah. If yeah, I'd have known you were coming, I'd have baked a cake. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and so it, it gets really hard to sort of narrow it down. What it stood for was intelligent design versus evolution. Oh. There, there is a video that I think you, Leila, will almost certainly have seen online of two men explaining why a banana proves that God exists. Oh, because it's a monkey's know. hand. Because it's like a soda can. I don't think it's I've seen the it. most perfect. Right. Yeah. Uh, perfect design. It's like a. <laughs> it's just like a can of soda. It's got a handle. It's got a, yeah. a lid that opens. It's, it, this could only have been designed uh, by a god. Uh, the two men in that video are the men responsible for this board game existing. Oh, right. Uh, intelligent design yeah. is the creationist's attempt to not appear to be creationists. Mm-hmm. It's people saying, OK, it's not necessarily God. Yeah. It's not necessarily <laughs> to do with the Bible. We're just saying everything's so beautiful, it can only be here because somebody intelligent designed it. Nothing else but explain it. By the way, we think that person's God. <laughs> that's kind of what it is. Yeah. And this board game is a kind of, you know, it's a trivial pursuit and you move around and wherever you land the board, you have to answer questions. Mm. Um, the, the person who wanted to play this game with me, I have in a previous show in Google Adventure, one of the people I met when I was doing that is one of the leading creationists in America. Uh-huh, okay. A man called Dwayne T. Gish. Uh, and so there's a section of that show where I talk about my meeting with Dwayne T. Gish and I, and I specifically go through a couple of lies he told me. Um, and they are lies. And they are things that he knows are, dis- are not true. There's another person in that book who is a creationist who I still get on with very well. Mm. You know? So it's not just an anti-creationist rant. It's specifically about the fact that he told me lies. Mm. And I think he, he must know that they were lies. Mm. I find it really hard to believe that he doesn't know that what he said was not true. And there's certainly a track record of, of him going to universities, giving lectures, being challenged on something, saying, yes, you're right, that bit in my pamphlet is not true, mm. but I'm going to update the pamphlet, and then going to another lecture the next day at another university and mm. not, and, and presenting the pamphlet as if it's all true. Mm. You know, when challenged, you'll admit this, that, and the other bit. Mm. Basically about that. And I uh, had done it one night. And I think this guy had basically been in the audience and heard me talking about this stuff mm. and had got a bit upset. And I think he thought this was his chance to have the debate. Mm. He thought, I'll invite him to play this game. He will play this game. When he sees what this game is, okay. we will be forced into a conversation about intelligent design and evolution and I will finally get to put my point to this man. And he's imagining that I would see the game and go, no, intelligent design. I, I, I think this is offensive. And then we'd be in a kind of sparring debate. Whereas actually, I'm, I'm polite and yeah. I'm well raised. And what happened is I saw the game and I thought, right, let's get this one done very quickly and get out. Yeah. But I'm polite. I'm in his house. Yeah. I, my, my, I'm not going to start challenging his beliefs. He's entitled to his beliefs. I don't really give a toss if he wants to believe that. It's entirely up to him. I just thought, this is a bit weird. I wonder if this game can take 30 minutes or 40 minutes and then I'll leave and chalk it up to experience. 
So I'm politely going through the motions of the game. And it's not a well-designed game. <laughs> the, <laughs> not intelligently no, intelligent designed. designed. No, exactly. Yeah. Um, which became the crux of the matter because a variety of different styles of questions have come out and some of them are they, you know, any quote that anyone's ever said that might be perceived as backing up creationism even if it isn't there's a few things which are about knowing your biblical scripture and there are a few things which are just really obviously telegraphed questions so because you know the, the agenda of the game you know the answer mm. so one question for example it would say um which of these items has the most sophisticated photo recognition technology that sends itself to sleep when it's not working, has an almost infinite memory? Uh-huh. And there, like, is it the Canon 25000XI? Is it the Nikon forensic data? Or is it the human eye? Oh, it's the human eye. Yes, correct. Yeah, rubber brain and carry on. And they're really telegraphed. And, but they've, it's, you know, you've seen it. It's same, it comes in the same sort of box as the trivial pursuit questions. That kind of, you know, that yeah. size of box. So there's probably, I don't know, a thousand, two thousand questions in there or something. And we'd been playing the game for forty minutes or whatever, and we'd had that literally that kind of about the human eye came out. And then ten questions later, another question, which was also two cameras or the human eye, <laughs> with, with you know, different information about what it does. But it's effectively, the exact same question. And we both looked at him, and, you know, and he realised, oh, this is awkward, the game's made a mistake. And I made that joke about this intelligent design. <laughs> oh, it's not very intelligent design. <laughs> but it wasn't, I hate everything you stand for. It was, yeah. He was also acknowledging that this was wrong. You know, we were both reading the question, and we were both mm. thinking, oh, that's not quite right. Mm. That, I think what had happened is, we haven't had the debate he wanted us to have. He doesn't quite know how to start the debate. I'm not trying to start the debate. <laughs> And then I said one thing vaguely disparaging, and his pent-up aggression yeah, burst. Yeah. It was like the dam burst, and he lashed out yeah. because he was finding the whole thing frustrating. Having hit me, and it wasn't a great punch or anything. <laughs> it, wasn't, it wasn't nice. I'm not going to tell you but it wasn't. It wasn't. Not in your top ten. I, I never really had a fight. It was like he went with a fist and then tried to turn it into a slap at the last time. <laughs> So it was like it was like the heel of his hand. His knuckles were clenched, but it was the heel of the hand yes. that hit me across the face. It was oh. more shocking yeah. than anything else. But I went back off my chair, and he stood up and threw himself back against the wall in shock at what he had done. And then he ran away. <laughs> his own house. In his own house. Um, and he ran upstairs. And I didn't know... I couldn't find a phone. My phone was in my bag that was in his van, which was locked. Mm. I didn't know, I couldn't find an address, I couldn't find a phone. We were in the middle of nowhere, it wasn't like I'd go to the next door neighbour's house and call a taxi or just walk out and find the nearest bus stop. It was in the middle of nowhere. So I was kind of trapped. I was like, if I go upstairs, I sort of walked up and thought, do I knock on the door, do I open the door? Like, it could be there with a knife. It could be anything, I don't know. The man's not stable. <laughs> but at the same time, like, I, I think he's married. If his wife comes home now, and finds a stranger in her house yeah. and her husband not present. I don't, did she know I was coming? Has he told her this was happening? Is he mad? I don't know who else lives here. I don't know what's going on. So I was just more scared of what happens next yeah. than I was <clears throat> yeah. upset about what had just happened. And eventually he came down. So it didn't take very long, but eventually he came down and sort of sulky teenager was like, I'll give you a lift into town. And I sort of got in the van and in silence we drove into... Into town, oh my God. 
drop me off. Oh my god. That's what awkward like both getting in the car, close the door, yeah, <laughs> sit next yeah. to each other inside. Yeah. He sort of apologised and, oh and sort of knew he'd done wrong and stuff. And then um, when I toured, I did a gig in Portsmouth, which is down his way. Yeah. And uh, he sent me an email saying, uh, just to let you know that I'm not coming to the gig. <laughs> <laughs> As if I. Previously, on Shift Run Stop. Listeners, if you have um, one of these cardboard cube animal things that you put in the fridge and it talks to you in Japanese if you leave the fridge open, please record the sound of it talking to you and, and telling you off and yes. send it in. I'm standing in front of my fridge. It's a normal fridge, not an internet fridge. And I've got one of these fridge-a-zoo animal things that you, you put in there and talk to you. And the box tells me that these are animals, their natural habitat is being destroyed by pollution and global warming from people leaving their fridge doors open for too long. So they've had to leave their natural habitat and uh, venture into the human world and they've decided to hide in fridges because that's nice and cold, like their homes. Uh, but they've disguised themselves as milk cartons, so I have a very uh, milk carton-looking walrus here. So I'm just going to put the phone in the fridge and then close the door and then open it again so you can hear what he says. Here we go. Konnichiwa. Okay, good goodbye, Mr. Walrus. Shut up, I've closed the door already. Anyway, I need my phone back. Bye. And there we have it. My fridge zoo that tells me when I'm leaving the fridge door open for too long and destroying his home. Uh, he's kind of cute. Thanks, Reverend Dan. I've been experimenting with facial hair. Have you? <laughs> yeah. we I've, talk been, about that. I've been trying different lengths of facial hair. You've got, you're going for kind of a designer stubble, full beard and moustache at the moment. Thank you, I Layla. Guess. The designer stubble <laughs> is exactly the image that I'm aiming for. Right. I've had people recently ask, are you trying to grow a beard? Oh, no. Which always makes you feel a little bit bad. You did have a beard at one point during our recordings. <sighs> I did. Sessions. About a year and a half ago, I, I went mm. for just lazy, let the hair grow. Mm. And I've always found it was a bit uneven. I've mm. got different bits of my face that grow at different speeds. So I, I figure, keep it all trimmed back short, give it a chance to look a bit more like it's intentional. Okay. <laughs> so I'm trying. At the moment, what you're seeing is 1.8 millimetres exactly. Oh, God. Yesterday, uh, I was allowing it to grow just a tiny bit longer, and, and I think it looked a bit too straggly. So I'm going, I'm going a bit shorter for a while, trying it out. How are you measuring? Are you measuring it with the clippers or <laughs> with a tiny ruler? Not individually. Right. Um, I've got a... Rachel, uh, my wife, hello, Rachel, bought me this really nice um, stubble shaver thing, mm -hmm. like a set of clippers, which has got a electronically adjusted very fine-grained movable head okay. so that you can determine how long you want your stubble to be. Right. And it goes from 0.4 millimetres mm. in 0.2 millimetre increments all the way up to 3 millimetres or something. It, it's, it gives you a, lo a load of choices. There's like 40 different settings you could have if you wanted. Right. It's brilliant fun. Oh, God. So I every imagine morning... you getting really into that. So <laughs> you've got to try them all. <laughs> it's brilliant. So every morning you wake up and think, oh, what length shall I try today? <laughs> I'm going to go for 1.6 millimetres. perfect present for you. It's great. Yeah, so that, I've been enjoying that. Do you, have a, do you have an ultimate plan? Do you want to go for the full beard again? No, I don't know. Have you seen The Hunger Games? 
Yes. You know the man? <laughs> you know the man with I the... I see that you have too. <laughs> <laughs> the man, Hunger Games. Great fun. The man yes. in the Hunger Games. Yes. He's got an amazingly well-shaped face. His uh, beard has been trimmed into little curly ends. And yeah. You know him? I think so, Yeah. yeah. It doesn't end well for him, without mm. wanting to spoil it, but he, you know, the chap I mean with the black hair and yeah. the suits. If I had any ultimate plan, it would really be to be him Can and to have that face. Oh, but I don't no. think it's real. I don't think it's possible. It's difficult to imagine you <laughs> looking, at, <laughs> looking at your little face. <laughs> little boyish the, face. The sort of spiral, sharpened, kind of tattoo-style uh, Celtic swirls and stuff all over you. Layla, have you been to McDonald's recently? No, not for many years. I haven't been for a while. And a couple of weeks ago, I decided it was time to break that. Make that streak. Yeah, and go and have a nice McDonald's. Yeah. And um, while I was there, I thought, I'm not just going to have a quarter pound with cheese. I'm going to have a milkshake. Oh, my God. Now, describe to me your your memory (laughs) of what a McDonald's milkshake is like. Because I had a very specific memory. Yeah. It's um, extremely cold yes. and extremely thick. You cannot get it through the straw. Yep. It's amazing and, and kind of delicious, I have to say. Delicious and would you describe it as heavy? Yeah, yeah, it filled you up. It was massive. <laughs> yeah. And it weighed about three times... Um, Several kilos. Yeah, yeah. exactly. It was, <laughs> it was denser than lead because it was basically ice and a little bit of milk and it was mm. incredible, really filling, yeah. very satisfying. I'm... Distraught to inform you, Layla, that they've ruined McDonald's milkshakes. No. Yes. No. Ruined. <laughs> no. What they've done is they've basically discovered how a Mr. Whippy machine works, oh. which is to froth up some milky substitute mm. and inject it with as much air as possible. Mm. So it's basically foam. And when you suck it in through a straw, first of all, you hold it in your hand and it weighs nothing. It's lighter than air. I swear that you could tie a house to it and float it to a distant... <laughs> waterfall like in that film and it is incredibly unsatisfying because you you suck it into your mouth and you think oh if i just swish this around about half of it is gonna just become air because it is a full of air shift run stop shift run stop.co.uk it's like a really good um flavored milkshake and Mm -hmm. they they have broken up things in them so there's an oreo crushem which has got broken up oreos in it Mm -hmm. um there's a a maltesers crushem i'll Mm -hmm. I'll let you guess what's in that yeah um there's a strawberries one um which is less satisfying but my wife likes that more because she's quite a strawberry and there's another one but i forget oh milky bar oh nice not tried but i bet it's quite good Mm. so if you're going to go to a fast food restaurant in the uk based entirely on the milkshake yeah Previously, you might have thought, well, McDonald's is the place for me. Yeah. Consumer advice. But my, yeah, my memory of McDonald's milkshake is that it tastes like very, very slightly blended ice cream. Yes. It's like it was they just filled a thing with ice cream and then just whizzed the blender in for two seconds. Barely even two seconds. It, yeah. was, it was like trying to take a tub of ice cream <laughs> through a straw into your mouth. And it wasn't actually physically possible to do it. Yeah, no, it wasn't. Which I always thought was brilliant value because you could suck on this for yeah. hours. Yeah. And it would still be filling you up. And, um, yeah, now, of course, it's all over in about three seconds. You think, oh, I'm bloated now, I'm full of air. Oh, God. I like to think there are sort of children under the age of, like, 25 listening to this who just don't have a clue what we're talking about. (laughs) The McFlurry generation, I like to think of them. I don't think I've ever had a McFlurry. Um, Have I had one? No, I don't think I have either, actually. I think I'm worried about the bacteria in the nozzle. It's almost like I can see it. <laughs> the I think they do something clever with the spoon, don't they? Doesn't the spoon hold the... 
bits that get mixed in with the McFlurry. I've got oh. a feeling there's some cleverness goes on. Maybe a listener knows. Mm. I bet that at least one of our listeners either works or has worked in McDonald's or Burger King. Mm. Oh, yeah. So I think um, if that's the case, you should get in touch with us, please, whoever you are. Yeah, we'd love that. Yeah, tell us, about, tell us what that was like. Tell us your secrets. Can you get us a discount or something? My brother is called Rue to the oh. whole family. Oh, but right. Not to anyone else, really. But we, he's been called. I can't think of him as anything else. His real name is Richard. Ah, okay. But I can't, you know, I, I have to stop and think about what his real name is yeah, because yeah. I know him as Rue. No one quite knows. It's lost in the mists of time <laughs> as to quite how he became Rue. We all had childhood nicknames from my mum. So I was Davy Crockett, you know, like just yeah. little pet names, oh. as you would call us. And his stuck, and it was Rue. And there's a debate about whether it was from Kangaroo and Rue mm. or Rupert the Bear. Mm. And no one, no one in the family can remember which one of those was the origin of this. But your brother's, is it your twin brother? No, that's my middle brother. I've got, okay. I've got three brothers, including the twin. Does your twin brother get mistaken for you? Does he look like you? Uh, he know? doesn't look like me in the slightest. Oh, OK. In that's fact, great. when girlfriends have met him, they've often suspected that I was making up a twin. Right. But he just, he so doesn't look like me. Mm. I look more like my oldest brother, although he's a much bigger man, but facially I, I resemble him more than the others. Mm. Uh, but me and my twin look... We sort of might be brothers. Right. You know, that's how it looks. Yeah. I used him in... Uh, I say used him, that sounds awful. <laughs> uh, but he was in a TV show I did. We did uh, a thing about astrology. Mm. And he was my control experiment, because as... The star signs were obviously exactly the mm. same, and all the advice would be the same. And lots of people would go, "That's not your brother. You've had to, you've had an actor to be your twin. That's not real." <laughs> and my argument would be, "Well, no, if I was going to hire an actor and pretend to have a twin, I'd get someone who really looked like yeah. me. <laughs> it would be much easier to cast someone who looked like me than to get a bloke who's a bit awkward on camera <laughs> and actually turns out to be my twin." It, isn't that a bit like the Basic Instinct defence? It's so obviously not. It could only possibly be. It's always been my <laughs> argument for why I don't believe Wogan wears a wig. I thought if he, if he was going to wear a wig, <laughs> he'd get one that was more convincing than that. But maybe Wogan is smart and he's already it's a double bluff. Head, yeah. <laughs> levels and levels. It can't be because it's it's got to be it's got to be his real hair that looks a bit wiggy. <laughs> because if it was a wig, he's a rich man. Yeah. He'd get a better one. Try and get Wogan on the podcast and. Discreetly tug his head. Yeah, exactly. There's no way of finding out. <laughs> just just sure. interview him in the wind tunnel, that sort of thing. Oh, yeah, yeah. Find a really I think he might be quite choosy about that. <laughs> the wearer. Well, that's how you know. That's yeah. how you know, yeah. You still get people coming up and letting you know that they're called Dave Gorman? Uh, still, yes. Just occasionally. Yeah, um, it's, it's diminishing ever so slightly. Mm. Which, given that it's over ten years old, yeah. it's, it's a long tail. There's a weird thing that happens, though, if the name appears anywhere, I get told about it. Right. But even sometimes when it's me. <laughs> and, uh, so, and, uh, I can't escape it. So, if there's a guy... Uh, I, I did a, a small part in a film, 24-hour part of Yes, yeah, I remember. And when that gets shown on TV, I will always get 10 emails from people saying, there's a guy in oh, this film yeah. called Dave Gorman you, yeah. should, you should know about. Think, <laughs> what are the chances? <laughs> Realistically, what are the chances? Do you still have any badges, just in case there are any Dave Gorman's no, listening no, to our... No, no, they won't get anything. No. 
but they can email you and let you know. Yeah. You'll, you'll be pleased to hear from any Dave Gorman's listening today. Yeah. I am kind of obsessed with your name, though, because it's we, we have loads of Jewish people on this podcast some, for some reason, and it's it's the most Jewish-sounding non-Jewish name I yes. think I've ever heard. So what's the story? A lot of people think you are Jewish, I think. They perhaps. do, yes. It's a, it's a very common misconception. And I don't know why. I, I asked a Jewish friend once, why do you think I'm Jewish? And he said, or why do, sorry, why do people think I'm Jewish? And he said, you look a bit Jewish, you've got a big nose. And I said, if I said that to you, you'd tell me I was being racist. And he said, you would be, you're not Jewish. (laughs) The the, the circularity of that, just what? such a treat talking oh, to it's you. It's been a pleasure talking to you so also. so much for coming in. Not at all. Lee Maguire's been with us today. We didn't even introduce him. Lee's a, he's usually asking that guy, but he's been helping out in the absence of Ruth. So thank you, Lee. It's really nice of you. Thank you both. I'm in computers. I'm in computers. That was Shift Run Stop, available on iTunes or from the website shiftrunstop.co.uk.